It would be difficult to find anyone who would claim that there isn't a lot of division in the world. Political, racial, moral, economical, international, and yes, spiritual. Today on Drawing Near, we learn of a oneness that is missing in the world. It is a oneness that comes from being in Christ. So open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 as we learn about spiritual oneness. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we acknowledge that there is division in the world, that there is social unrest, not just now. It's always been this way since sin came into the world. And Father, we pray that in our own hearts, we might know peace, and we might know the oneness that you have called us to in Christ Jesus. Give us an understanding of this. Help us to embrace it and to live it out. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So hopefully you have your Bibles. We'll be looking at Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. We read there, There is one body and one spirit, just as you too were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So in this passage, the first thing that has to be addressed is why do I call this spiritual oneness instead of unity in the spirit or spiritual unity? Well, the word unity, first and foremost, is not used in these verses. The word one is seven times. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And I think there's a difference between unity and oneness. Certainly, unity has the idea of oneness in it. But this is more than just multiple persons or multiple entities coming together. That could be said of one of these things. You see, in verse 4, it says, there is one body, and that body is the body of believers, the body of Christ. And especially in the context of the letter to the Ephesians, that body is made up of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And coming out of chapter 3, where Paul is talking about how the Gentile believers were brought in with the Jewish believers and they become one body, certainly that's where Paul's picking up here. There is one body. Not two groups, not two bodies, a Jewish one and a Gentile one. There is one body of which Christ is head. And so you could see the idea of unity there. But you can't see the idea of unity in one spirit if, in fact, you take the spirit as the Holy Spirit. If you were to take it as one spirit within us, not really talking about the Holy Spirit, but more like the nature of or the commonality, well, then maybe you could talk about unity there. But I believe it's pretty clear that what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit. There's one body, and there's one Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit indwells all believers. So the Holy Spirit within me and the Holy Spirit that is within you as a believer is the same Spirit. He's not multiple spirits within each individual. And then again, in the context of Ephesians, there's one Spirit 
that indwells the Jewish believer, and that same Spirit indwells Gentile believers. I think one thing we need to recognize today is among believers in our world, there's only one Holy Spirit that lives within the white or Caucasian believer. There's only one spirit that is also within the African-American or the person of color. We are all born of one spirit. We are indwelled by one spirit. There's only one body. And in that very real and genuine sense, all of the conflict that's going on in the world today, at least among brothers and sisters in Christ, there should be a oneness because we are of one body and of one spirit. Within the church, there should be a oneness. We are a part of each other. We have the same spirit within each of us. There should not be division, but rather oneness. He goes on and talks about in verse 4, just as you also were called to the one hope of your calling. Now, not all translations emphasize just as you too or just as you also. Uh, The New King James doesn't, but several other translations do. And so, in the context of this letter, he's talking to Gentile Christians, and he's saying, just as you also were called, like the Jewish believers, to the one hope of your calling. Paul is really emphasizing, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the Gentiles' part in the body of Christ, their equality. We lack nothing that the Jewish believer has. We also were called from the foundations of the world, according to chapter 1, to the one hope of your calling. Our one hope is an eternal hope. It's not a hope that is fixed on anything in this world. Our hope is in heaven, where according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this corruptible body that I possess now will be made incorruptible. This mortal body will be made immortal, where all things will be made new, and I will receive my glorified body, and I will forever be with Christ. That is the one hope of our calling. Our one hope isn't that God would see us through this world with only positive circumstances, or that he would get us out of every negative situation, that he would give us all the blessings and none of the difficulties of life, that's not our one hope. Our one hope is built on Jesus and what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. Our forgiveness of sin, our redemption, our reconciliation with God, and our eternal salvation. That's our one hope. And we were called to that. And there's only one hope. And it's the hope of all believers, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of what time they have lived in this world, whether it was before Christ, during Christ, after Christ. There's only one hope, and that hope is founded in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And then verse 5 is interesting. If you want a verse to memorize, verse 5 is your verse. One Lord, one faith one baptism. Six words, three of them, one. And so we've already seen there's one body and one spirit, and we're called to one hope. But there's only one Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. 
and it should be acknowledged that we see the Trinity in these three verses. The one Spirit, the one Lord, and the one God and Father of all. Jesus is Lord. He is our Savior, but He's also our Master, our Lord, our Teacher. He is the one whom we follow and serve. He is the head of the one body, and there's only one Lord. There aren't multiple ways to get to heaven. There are not multiple ways to avoid the consequences of sin. There is one Lord. And having died on the cross, been buried and resurrected, he has been given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's only one Lord. There's one faith. There's not multiple faiths that center around Jesus or God. We cannot claim that the Muslim faith in Allah is the same as ours. It's not. There is just one Lord and one faith. Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him. And all of the divisions that exist in Christianity, they are scandalous. We can't all be right. There's one faith, and that faith is firmly revealed in the Scriptures. There's one source of our faith, that is God. The Holy Spirit guides us in our faith. There's one Lord, one faith. Too many times I hear people talk about, well, you know, we just agree to disagree. No, somebody's right, somebody's wrong. If you get this wrong, eternity is at stake. How do I know that? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. There's one faith. And it's the danger of trying to accept all faiths as legitimate. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Now, there are those who see this baptism as water baptism. And I believe in water baptism. I believe it is a part of Christian obedience. I believe it identifies us as part of the body of Christ. It is important, but it is not essential for salvation. There are those who claim to believe in Christ who believe it is essential for salvation. But the Bible teaches that water baptism is not essential for salvation. I can just simply bring up the thief on the cross as an illustration. But what we have here is one baptism in the Holy Spirit. We have all been immersed into the faith in the Holy Spirit. And the New Testament clearly talks about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about a charismatic event. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues or that hyper-spiritual being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe in the filling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what I believe is when we are saved, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and we are immersed. That's what baptism is. We are immersed into the body of Christ by means of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, there is one God and Father of all. There's not three gods. There's not multiple gods. There's one God. He exists in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we talk about God, we typically are talking about God the Father. 
But clearly the New Testament teaches us that Jesus is God and that the Holy Spirit is God. When we are water baptized, we are to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have this wonderfully complex doctrine called the doctrine of the Trinity, where we have a triune God, but he's always referred to as singular. There is one God. False gods, false idols, gods of other faiths, they do not exist. There is one God, and he is the Father of all. That does not mean, because he's the Father of all, that he will not separate out unto eternal condemnation those who deny Jesus Christ. He can be the Father of all and be denied as someone's father. They can reject his fatherhood. They do that by rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. To accept Christ is to accept the Father. To reject Christ is to reject the Father. And so he is the Father of all. He is the creator of all. And he is over all and through all and in all. There is that essence of the divine that flows through all of creation. Authoritatively, he is over all. There is nothing over God. There is nothing superior to God. There is nothing more powerful than God. He is over all. He is through all. God's power flows through all of creation and holds it together and sustains it. And he is in all. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. It is his essence that gives life and light. And I believe everything that we just looked at in verses 4, 5, and 6 is far more complex than what I've said. It is something to meditate on and to wonder about. I have so many thoughts and questions about these things. We need to acknowledge that God is beyond our comprehension. And for us to comprehend just a minute part of what is God— And what is his plan and his purpose is amazing. But there is a oneness, a spiritual oneness that exists. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a part of that oneness, the one body. You have that one spirit within you. You are called to that one hope. You are serving that one Lord through that one faith. You have experienced that one baptism And it's all to the glory and by means of the one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Praise the Lord. Well, Father in heaven, thank you for this instruction, for informing our hearts and minds. And Father, help us to know that there is a right and there aren't multiple rights. There is a oneness, a truth that exists. and. We cannot have pluralities in this spiritual sense. And I'm not even saying that right. I know that. But help us to be aware that by your grace, we have been brought into this spiritual oneness and we are a part of it. We as Gentile believers are a part of it. Thank you for that. And Father, grow our ability to understand. Increase our faith and our discernment, our knowledge and wisdom. Help us in our weakness. Increase our capacity for understanding. 
And help us, Father, through the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, through the indwelling Spirit, to exist and live in that oneness with you, with one another, and help us to see the danger, the horror of divisiveness. And yet help us to recognize that that division cannot be mended except through Jesus Christ, faith in him. And again, I thank you for helping us, for loving us, for making us in him. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.